Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, September 24th, we look at Lesson 13, Christ and the Crucible. Together, let's see our Savior and how he saved us even in the midst of his most trying times. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word. And together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. All right, here we are. Michael, I can't believe it. The last lesson, lesson 13 of this third quarter. Gone by quickly. Yes, it has. (laughs) Uh, This lesson's entitled Christ in the Crucible. And our memory text comes from Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, I think of Ellen White's quote, it would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour each day in, in contemplation of Christ, especially his closing scenes. And it brings me there. Uh, and there's another C.S. Lewis quote here, uh, talking about worth the risk, if you will. And he's saying this leads to another question. Did God know beforehand that these things would fall? Yes, but obviously he thought it was, as C.S. Lewis wrote, worth the risk. So, mm, wow. Um, yeah, this is this is going to be hopefully a deep one, but one that helps us to resonate and recognize to take our eyes off of our own selfish ambitions and lives and do what we should do every single day and turn our eyes upon Jesus. Oh, so beautiful, Buster, to to think about that. And I like how through this whole quarter, we've been talking about different aspects of being in the crucible. And sometimes it's not always pleasant to be in the crucible, but all too often we focus on ourselves instead on Jesus. And I Amen. love that this is yeah. a beautiful way to kind of bring this full circle with this uh, this quarterly. So well, I'll just uh, dive right in here. Uh, Sunday's lesson. Go for it. Um, the, the early days of Jesus and our texts are really focused. We don't know very much about what those early days are like. We just have these very brief, almost cryptic kind of references to the early life of, of Jesus found in Luke chapter two and Matthew chapter two. And of course, uh, we know uh, the description of Jesus when he was born, uh, when right. Mary was holding him and and <laughs> placed him in a manger, and there was no room in the inn, so to speak, right? Right. Uh, that that seems so everything what you would expect, the creator God of the universe coming in human flesh. You think there would be at least some revelry and celebration. Of course, the angels coming to the shepherds, but, but really it wasn't anything like what you would naturally expect. And then, of course, uh, the next step after after that is to take Jesus to the temple and have him consecrated uh, and according to those customs. So obviously, as good Jewish parents, Joseph and Mary were trying to do their very best to raise Jesus within their uh, tradition of what they were used to. And we're told that that as a as a as a child, you know, there's just this little these little indicators that um, that he obviously grew and flourished. And he for part of his childhood would have been in Egypt, right? Right. And uh, so so again, we have these little bits and pieces of that. Um, and then the other passage that we have is uh, from John chapter one verse forty six, which kind of 
gives, again, a little bit of a different flavor here. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Because Jesus was from Nazareth. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like, well, Jesus came from the wrong side of town or the, the wrong town, right? So right. this, and, and, and so there was uh, a lot of poor people that lived there. I was on this uh, tour of the Holy Land with a number of Bible scholars a few years ago, and we actually stopped in Nazareth. And of course, they don't know exactly where it is. There's a big, big Catholic church over supposedly the, uh, one of the caves the in Nazareth where where Jesus would have grown up. And of course, we don't really know. But the reason that there, there's all these people are just living there or living in caves because they don't have very much. Uh, they're eking out in existence. And so, um, again, Jesus, not only did he not come, uh, it wasn't recognized as the king of the universe, but he, he grew up, we would probably say, in, in poverty. Uh, and, and so this is this kind of context that we have from Jesus. And yet, without having all of these trappings of life and everything else, yet we know that, that Jesus uh, was, was anchored in Scripture. He had parents that, yes. that loved him. Um, at some point, Joseph, uh, his father, stepfather, passes away. Uh, and then, uh, but he continues to remain uh, faithful to his God uh, through his childhood, working as a, a carpenter, under Joseph, and no doubt uh, continuing that carpentry business there in Nazareth. But, but you know, Jesus didn't—he uh, didn't have very much, and he didn't come uh, living in, in in a fabulous place. He he really was living in uh, kind of the other side of the tracks, we would say. And yet, even in the midst of that, uh, he was able to uh, be able to to stay connected to his heavenly Father. And to to grow spiritually uh, in his own recognition of 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 his divine role and um, and, and and the plan of salvation and the part mm-hmm. that he would play in that. So that's that's kind of the that early context. But but not only did he grow up on the wrong side of town, but he was uh, as they say despised and rejected of men. Buster, what what's that referring to? Yeah, so this is referring to him being despised or rejected. Uh, (laughs) You know, there's so many times and there's so many times probably not even, well, not probably, definitely not recorded in a scripture. Uh, Mm -hmm. The scripture or the the lesson brings out later in the the text is saying that uh, how lonely Jesus must have been at times. And oftentimes that's why he would retreat and go with the father, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so as as I'm looking here, Michael, I'm, I'm going to... Uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 12, 22 through uh, 24, uh, along with a couple other texts. But um, as I'm as I'm going there, I think I think it's important for us to remember everything. That's what makes Jesus such a high, a great high priest, because everything that we've been through, he's been through and sympathizes with us. And yet mm-hmm. also, also says without sin. So he understands what we've been through. But listen to this uh, 23 to 24. Uh, then one who was brought to him, who was demon possessed. Uh, blind and mute, and he healed them so that he so the blind and mute man both saw uh, both spoke and saw, and the multitudes were amazed and said, "Could this be the son of David?" Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, "This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons." Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he was doing these miracles, and they're saying, "Ah, we still don't believe in you or your power. We don't care mm-hmm. about your power. We don't care about you." Uh, I thought it was very interesting uh, later on here, Michael talks about some more times with the scribes and Pharisees, and we see the woes uh, here in Matthew chapter 23. But look at here, verse 37, it says, 
Uh, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I want to gather you, your children together as a hen uh, gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing, goes verse 38, see your house is left to you desolate. And so he was rejected. There's no other way around it. He gave up himself and they rejected him and they did mm-hmm. it continually over and over again. And so it asks this question. It says, as you read, ask your ask yourself, was he feeling bad for himself or was it another reason? Uh, if it was for another reason, what was it? And the thing is, Christ mourned for the loss of the people. Uh, I, I, I read in Desire of Ages, the first time I read this, I was like a light bulb clicked on when he's saying, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. I used to think it was with anger and indignation, but it was mm. actually with tears in his voice and in his eyes. Wow. He was wow. warning for them. He wanted them to repent. He wanted them to turn around, but he realized many of them would not. And so that, I believe, is the reason why uh, he was feeling when he was facing rejection. And yes, he was lonely too, but his care and love for others was higher than anything we can probably think or imagine. And so mm. um, as we move forward, Michael, let's move to another hard and rough time for Jesus and Jesus in Gethsemane. Yeah, so here we have this uh, kind of the climax, I guess you'd say, of Jesus's ministry here on this earth, which uh, concludes, not doesn't conclude, but the I guess the climax is is his death on Calvary. And so th- we're talking about the events leading up to that, yes. uh, his suffering and everything else. And there in that penultimate moment before he goes to Calvary, here he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and here we have described for us the suffering of Christ, the passion, the pathos of of what takes place there. And we have a couple of texts that give us this uh, indication that tell us the story. Matthew 26, verse 39, where it says he went a little further uh, and he fell, that's Jesus, with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. I will be done, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Mark 14, we have a parallel description for us where he's with Peter, James, and John. So just a little bit more of that detail of what's going on here. And again, this uh, similar words, that's why we have these different descriptions from each of the the gospels, different, slightly different perspectives, but telling the same story and uh, take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So will again, just up. this, thy will. And so Jesus is having to, to suffer. And then finally, the third one uh, is in Luke 22. I'm not going to read that, but at the very end, it says that he was sweating drops of blood. So that shows you just how intense that was. I know medical science personnel can can explain that now that actually in times of incredible duress that that actually is possible yeah, to, to he, happen he, hematidrosis all right yeah, that's that's yeah. why i needed <laughs> your help buster I've, and 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 so there it's happening i mean we just the, the sins of the, the the weight of the sins of the world are resting on on jesus so emotionally psychologically in every aspect, uh, there as the God-man, Jesus is recognizing the significance of everything that has happened in his life is is leading up to this one moment, and uh, and, and and we should pay attention to this because uh, you know Jesus, his sacrifice is everything for us, and the fact that he would do this 
Jesus didn't have to do that. He could have just kind of wiped this all out and said, I'm going to start over, but he didn't. And, and that he comes and becomes human, uh, that came at an, an incredible cost, a cost that we're not going to really truly appreciate, I think. And as you started out the lesson talking about Ellen White's quote that, you know, in Desire of Ages, that would be well for us to spend a thoughtful hour to think about the incredible sacrifice of Christ on Calvary, which included all the things that led up to this, including these scenes in Gethsemane. Right. And it should give us pause because uh, we're talking about the crucible. Again, we tend to focus too much on ourselves uh, as human beings just naturally. I think that's you know our sinful human nature. We tend to just, you know, and, and that, uh, yeah, we all have our crucibles, but this is the crucible of crucibles. Yes. And most, indef- most definitely indeed it is. That's why we, when we concentrate on this, I, I hate to belittle what we go through, but it's not this. <laughs> yeah, it's My, nothing in comparison, right? Yeah, Michael, I never had to die for your sins, yeah. right? Especially when I'm innocent. Uh, a lot of the things that I face is because of my own repercussions, because oftentimes, often I deserve it. So oftentimes, many people out there, you don't, right? So I'm not saying mm-hmm. everything that happens to you is because you deserve it, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like life also happens, but in the view of eternity, our mm-hmm. light affliction is is but for a moment, right? Uh, yeah. Because eternity is actually forever, and our light affliction is for a short moment, a blip in time, and eventually we will win fully and completely. Yeah, and and we have to recognize there's an eternal cost here for Jesus. Yes, there's the cost and the sacrifice on Calvary, but the fact that he became human and went through the suffering, this this continues. The this memory of what what Jesus Christ has done for us will continue for all eternity. And Jesus will forever be the God man. He will always be uh, part human. And, and that's, yes. that's, that's and, where it's at. And we'll uh, forever be able to, this is something we will never forget. The mm-hmm. scars will be there and we will see what he has done and mm. we will celebrate what he has done uh, and be thankful for it for eternity. Yeah. And yeah. so with that being said, Michael, let's go to Wednesday's lesson, the crucified God. And this is a little bit different. It's not just talking about the uh, crucifixion itself, but it's talking about some mm-hmm. of the events that surrounded it. Um, and it helps us to recognize some of these. And I, I have it written down. Matthew 25, 45 is right before our memory text. It's talking about darkness fell upon the earth at that time. I think it's important to, to recognize and see. Uh, Michael, this summer we had we both had a student, former student, who was in Alaska for uh camp and mm-hmm. as like how is it she's like it's so difficult she's like it never goes it's, n- it's never dark <laughs> like the, <laughs> the 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 sun never goes down and so she sends a picture uh to, to lauren and i at three o'clock in the morning and it you know it's just bright right she sends it to us the next day um yeah <laughs> and so there's darkness that falls and I, I don't think darkness was supposed to be there but it was the darkness of the activity that was happening and so therefore the geography represented that of what was happening and then it talks about and i'm going to actually read this one this is matthew chapter 27 verses 51 and 52 and it says then behold the veil of the temple was torn uh, and uh, and two from the top to the bottom and the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the mm. graves were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Mm. Uh, also, Matthew or Mark chapter 15, 38 talks about the same thing that the uh, that the veil was torn and mm-hmm. that was representing uh, a moment in time of God saying, all right, what we have planned is actually done now. Uh, that that mm. veil being torn, 
uh, the price had been paid, if you will, Michael. Atonement was coming. Atonement was done, if you will. And, and so as we look at this and we recognize what Christ had done, what he was doing, also what he was going through, I think this question is very pertinent. What significance can we find in each of these events that can help reveal what happened here is that this was a plan, but this was also a sad plan, mm. right, right? So God yeah. was not appeased. I think sometimes uh, we have to be careful with our words. Uh, he, was, he wasn't placated here. He was heartbroken, but this was a plan of the entire Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And uh, it was willingly done, but it was also a, a sad time because the separation he felt in the garden, Michael, now even to the cross and even into death. And then after he rose, it was it was a sad time. Uh, the angels uh, mourned and cried. His disciples mourned and cried. And even now we mourn that he had to do this for us. Right. I am the cause of that. Uh, we are. And yet I'm so thankful that he went through it. Absolutely. So, and, and kind of following up on that, that not only do we see what Jesus did there on Calvary, but we also see kind of a snapshot behind the scenes of God, the father and the suffering that he went through, because not only does Jesus suffer, but um, God, the father is suffering the Holy spirit, uh, the, the divine Trinity, if you please, they all right. are observing what is going on through this at the same time. And so we have just a kind of a snapshot into the eternal plans of God and and um, what what that means, not only for the Godhead, but but we see that God suffers, that God the Father suffers, just like any parent would suffer. You see your child hurting, you're just like the the least thing that I could do is I, I just wish I could take that pain away. If I could only suffer for them, I would in a heartbeat. You know, I've, yeah, no, uh, any true. parent that's had to take their child to the hospital because of some accident or whatever, and you just see your child in pain, there's just nothing worse than that. I mean, if, if you suffer and something bad happens to you, you're like, well, that, that, that sucks. That's terrible. That's a bummer. Yeah. You know, I'll, but uh, you know, even, you know, whatever it is, but you see your child suffer, you're just like, oh, your heart aches. You're just like, what can I do? What can I oh, do? Oh yeah, no, you, you wish you could take it away. Seriously. Yeah. And, and so any, any good parent, you know, it just loves their yes. child. That's what's going to happen. Right. And yet uh, God, the father recognizes not only did his son suffer and he had to watch and observe that, but we are his children as well. And so yes. what we may not realize is that, you know, God, suffers when he sees what we're going through as well, because we're his children. Yes. We're his children who he loves. He cares for us. And and he warns us that we will go through hardships and suffering. That's what Acts 14.22 is all about here as we're kind of wrapping up this lesson for this week. Uh, in fact, Philippians 1.29, Pastor Paul says that uh, on behalf of Christ, uh, not only do we believe, but we also suffer for him. Yes. And then in that same spirit, Second Timothy, all those who live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Ooh. What do we do with that? Right. I mean, it's not the we don't do altar calls. Come and be persecuted and come forward and be persecuted. <laughs> we invite people to make a commitment and, but if we're really honest what that means that commitment that relationship means that if we're truly following god 
there's a great controversy at work. And, and that means that we're, we're all likely going to have hits. And so rather it's actually the opposite of the prosperity gospel. There, there, yeah, sometimes God will prosper you. I'm not saying that you have to always suffer. You're not a faithful follower of God if you, unless you're constantly suffering. But, but the idea that rather that we all will go through, if we're faithful to him, times of, of difficulty, times of even persecution, because the devil's a roaring lion out there and he will seek whom he may devour. Yes. Yeah, yes, indeed. And my, Michael, I'm just re- reminded, um, even the word witness in the New Testament, martyros, uh, you know, part of witnessing is not everyone is going to accept it. Not everyone's going to believe it. Not everyone's going to want to follow you. And sometimes mm-hmm. uh, you will be mocked. You will be made fun of. Uh, yeah. And some parts of the world right now, even as we speak, there are people being martyred uh, for their witness. And so yeah. uh, our duty is not to try to control the outcome. Our duty is to lift up Christ and allow him to be lifted up. And if he does, he'll draw people unto him. Uh, but yeah. in the midst of that, there will be suffering. He calls us to faithfulness. And, and by the way, the lesson, I yes. like how this comes to a conclusion here at the end, uh, a couple of promises. First from John chapter 10, verse 28, the words of Jesus, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. He doesn't mm. say that you're not going to necessarily die here in this earth, but the idea that that there is a hope of eternal life. There's something, so not perishing. She's speaking in the scope of eternity. And then he says, no one will snatch, snatch them out of my hand. So this idea that, that you know, in the, in the arms of Jesus, I remember my childhood, I had a favorite puzzle put together and I kept it in my bedroom somewhere. I think I still got it, but it's the, a picture of Jesus holding a little lamb. And there were times when I would feel sad or depressed or, have challenges because we all do. And I remember looking yes. at that picture thinking, and I had to imagine myself, I'm that little sheep. I am need to stay in the arms of Jesus. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So that's the visual image that I, that comes to my mind. And, and I hope people that uh, listen to this Buster will just uh, whatever they may be facing, will just imagine themselves and say, you know, Jesus, I, I claim that promise that no one's going to snatch me out of your hands it, it's and yeah i was yeah. gonna say it's funny you say that michael because when i was young and i used to be afraid of the dark and things like that even as young as seven years old and mm. i still one of my favorite hymns that i always sing and it always brings me comfort and peace which is 312 in the hymnal uh might be the old hymnal but jesus keep me near the cross mm-hmm. and near the cross near the cross there yeah right and so as i'm yeah. saying that there's just this peace that passes all understanding for me uh, even now when i get stressed and i'm driving and i had a long day and i sing out that song i you know it just reminds me of christ and the cross and brings me peace so uh, whatever, whatever. Here, I, I thought I was the only one that was afraid of monsters under the bed, Buster. No, absolutely not. <laughs> God, and that's uh, the thing. Uh, even as adult, there's monsters out there that we might be afraid of. Maybe it's the monster of depression or anxiety. Maybe it's the monster of of your 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 marriage that's falling apart. But regardless, God can and is w- with you if you choose for Him to be. But whatever imagery you need to use of that little lamb being held by Christ, or if it's a mm-hmm. song, uh, find yourself in proximity to God, find yourself in proximity to God. Cause there is the peace and the comfort and the solution that you and I both need. And 
I, I want to conclude with this uh, this verse from uh, Pastor Paul again uh, in the yes. book of Titus 1 verse 2, where it talks about claiming in the hope of eternal life. And, and that is that promise that we have been given, you know, through the sufferings of Jesus has made possible for us, if we so choose, um, that, that we have that hope, that promise, that hope of eternal life. And so whatever sufferings we go through, we look back to the sufferings of Christ on our behalf that's made salvation possible. We know that Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he hasn't ex- already experienced, that he hasn't already suffered. And, and best of all, that we will have the opportunity to live with Jesus, have that promise of being with him throughout all eternity. So that hope, that promise I should nourish our soul, should anchor us in the midst of whatever monsters, like you said, Buster, that yes. we have <laughs> this hope. Amen. Amen. I love that, Michael. Well, I think that puts a wrap for another week and the end of a quarter. And I can't wait. We've got a new quarter coming up around the corner. Uh, about death and dying, uh, and also the promise of eternal life. So, and this is a reality that we all face. So I'm so thankful that we have this next quarter coming up. We'll talk a little bit more about it here very soon. We'll try, uh, I know we we typically try to get the uh, principal contributors, see if we can get them on here with our podcast. We've been pretty good at uh, pretty consistently always getting the uh, principal contributors. So we're going to try to do that, Buster. Let's do it. And um yeah, so I can't wait. We've wrapped up another quarter as well as another week's lesson, and uh, we're going to dive in uh, here very soon into a new quarter. So so with that, without any further ado, this is Soup. And Swoops, signing, signing out. out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.